We know that the decisions you have to make as someone affected by heart failure have become even more complicated during the COVID-19 crisis. Taking care of yourself and others may take you out into the world, and now, more than ever, you need support. The Heart Failure Beat Healthy Living team is excited to announce an initiative from one of our partners, AstraZeneca. Introducing Our Hearts Are Open, recognizing those who are out there navigating the care they need and treatment they deserve through COVID-19 and beyond. Visit www.ourheartsareopen.com for more resources and information that may support you and how to get involved. Hello, and welcome to the Heart Failure Beat Healthy Living, a podcast brought to you by the Heart Failure Society of America. I'm Laura Poco with HFSA, and I'm joined today by Dr. Nasreen Abraham, the Assistant Professor of Medicine at Harvard Medical School and Heart Failure and Transplant Cardiologist at Massachusetts General Hospital. I'm talking with Dr. Abraham today about a very important topic that can sometimes be overlooked in conversations around heart failure. We're talking about emotional wellness. So to kick things off, Dr. Abraham, welcome to the show. Would you mind telling us a little bit about yourself? Hello, I'm very excited to be here. As uh, uh, Laura mentioned, I am an advanced heart failure and transplant cardiologist at Massachusetts General Hospital, and I'm also a clinical researcher. I love um, taking care of patients in a more holistic way, and that means looking at the whole patient, you know, and everything that affects them, whether things going on in their mind, things going on in their surroundings, because I do think that taking care Uh, Good care of patients means taking care of patients overall, including not just the disease that they came to see you for, but addressing all the other things that affect their life and how they live on a regular basis. So looking at a patient holistically, is that why the emotional wellness for heart failure patients is such an important topic to you? A very important topic that I love to blog about because I think wellness in general is important, not just in patients, but also in caregivers and in physicians themselves. Because if we're looking at it from a physician or healthcare team standpoint, if the physician themselves are not well, then it becomes difficult to take good care of patients. And then if patients are not emotionally well, it becomes difficult for them to care for themselves. Because when we think about it, if a patient has depression or anxiety, then simple things like waking up in the morning, taking medications on a regular basis, making it to appointments, all that affects their overall care. And so that's why I think focusing on emotional well-being in a disease like heart failure that is a chronic condition is really critical to the overall well-being of the patient. And when we talk about caregivers as well, we know sometimes they're overlooked in the overall treatment plans, but we also have to make sure that caregivers practice things that are good for their overall well-being, including their emotional well-being, because as they have spent lots of their time taking care of the patient, they forget to take care of themselves. So we also have to include them in this conversation. So heart failure is a lifelong disease. How can receiving the news of heart failure, of the initial diagnosis, how can that really impact a person? So to start off with, I would say just the word failure in and of itself is difficult to comprehend because it's almost like we're setting patients 
up for failure by calling it heart failure. But unfortunately, this term has not been changed. Um, So I like to tell them that it's called heart failure, but there's other words for it, such as cardiomyopathy. And I like to always say it's called heart failure and to tell the patient that I know that it doesn't sound like a positive term, but there's things we can do um, that will make your life more livable with this condition. So getting the news in the beginning is very distressing for most patients. Explaining to them that it is a chronic illness, that this is a lifelong condition, but that it is treatable. There's medications that can make patients feel better, medications that can make patients live longer. And then for patients where medications no longer work, I like to upfront tell them that I you know, if they get to the point that the medications are no longer working, then we do need to talk about things like transplant and mechanical heart pumps or left ventricular assist devices. So I like to tell the patients the big picture plan. And something I always tell my patients is try to keep the stress of this on me, keep the burden on me. All you need to do as a patient is participate in the treatment plan, ask questions, um, work with me, but leave the anxiety and the stress to me. I want you to be able to live as normal of a life as you can with this condition. So the getting the news in the beginning is distressing, but I would say on the part of the healthcare team is giving them the overall trajectory or trajectory, sorry, of heart failure and what to expect in the long term, Uh, telling them about the medications that can really help them live a long and good life. And then down the line, what they may expect when it comes to end stages of heart failure. I think all of those help. It really makes sense that that initial impact uh, would be so distressing, that, that first diagnosis, getting that. But I love what you said about put the stress and anxiety, leave that to me as, as part of your care team. So you're continuing to work with patients over years or months. And so you're hearing from them, you're speaking with them, working with them one-on-one. What are some of the most common emotional side effects that can play out over time for someone living with this, with, with heart failure? Some of the common conditions that we see with heart failure are anxiety and depression. And so with depression, patients have different symptoms and it may be sleeping too much or sleeping too little or just having difficulty doing the things that they normally like to do and basic things that we take for granted, like waking up in the morning and taking your medications might become more difficult. So It's very important that depression is addressed, and there's several different ways to treat depression, but it's also important for the healthcare teams to recognize symptoms of depression. And there's screening questions that can be asked during visits, and also when patients develop a good relationship with their healthcare teams, they're more able to say, hey, I'm having difficulty either initially in the diagnosis or even years later that they may not have had. I'm having difficulty with certain emotions and I'd like to speak to you about them. And at that point, there's lots of resources that we can refer our patients to. Because again, while we know the basics of depressions and how to treat it, um, it's not something that a cardiologist usually manages. And so we would have to refer to our colleagues, but there are several ways to treat it. Another common thing is anxiety, and I would say anxiety, especially in the beginning when you first get the diagnosis, 
you know, there's a lot patients sometimes think about, you know, how long am I going to live? How, how my children or the rest of my family members going to be taken care of? Am I going to be able to work? So anxiety is a big thing. And sometimes that contributes to lack of sleep. And again, just overall well-being is affected with those symptoms. But again, anxiety is very treatable, medication and non-medication ways to treat it. And as with depression, while we as cardiologists know the basics of these health conditions and mental um, conditions that can affect patients, we refer to colleagues that can better manage symptoms of anxiety and depression. But it's really important to address those because if I'm speaking to patients about several medications that they have to take, which with a condition um, such as heart failure, you do have to end up taking a lot of medications and wanting them to go to cardiac rehab and wanting them to come to appointments and give us a call when they're not feeling well. Um, It's asking a lot of a patient to do and to manage if the basics of them just not feeling well, that they're anxious and they're depressed, it makes everything else so daunting. So I think first and foremost is to make sure the mind is healed and that the mind, uh, they're in a, in a good place to be able to take care of all the other tasks that are involved in the treatment of heart failure. We are recording this episode in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, I think we're in month three or four at this point. Uh, so I want to ask how the social distancing and stay-at-home roles are impacting the emotional wellness of folks who live with heart failure even more. What's the impact they're seeing from that? So I would say that the impact has affected everybody. All of our lives have been disrupted, some people more so than others. So I want patients to recognize that everybody's affected, you know, even healthcare workers themselves have been affected by the pandemic so that they're not alone. But things that I've noticed is definitely more depression and more anxiety. The social distancing has made it more difficult because patients, for a few reasons, because patients are no longer able to maybe rely on all other support systems that they, you know, take pleasure in spending time with. Patients are no longer able to physically go to cardiac rehab, which a lot of patients really like going to for the social aspect of things. And then the biggest thing is that we've reduced the number of in-person visits. And while virtual appointments have been working really well, you know, seeing a patient on video, they're able to see the doctor, we're able to, or the nurse practitioner or their nurse, and we're able to see facial expressions and emotions. And there's some sort of connection there, but it's still different than in-person connection. So lots of more anxiety about the situation, but what has helped is having the ability to do these virtual appointments with the video capability. And if that's not available, the phone calls to reassure the patients and letting them know and reminding them that this has affected everyone. What we're seeing now is also the fear of coming into the hospital because patients don't want to get COVID. So we're, we've been really concerned about patients having symptoms and not presenting. And again, that is a manifestation of anxiety. So it's really important that patients understand that hospitals have taken lots of precautions and that it's detrimental to stay home when they're not feeling well. And really important for us to talk to our patients and remind them that 
if you're not feeling well, let us know. And if we ask you to come in, then you really need to come in because it's better to come in and get treatment than for you to be to get really, really sick and for the outcome to maybe be worse. But the pandemic has certainly affected our patients greatly. And now as the states are opening up, I hope um, some of the anxiety is relieved a little bit. But there's lots of things patients can do, even with the social distancing recommendations in place to take care of their emotional well-being. Hmm. So you've talked about this a little bit throughout, um, but more specifically, what are some of the things that people can do to take care of their emotional health and in general, but also if we, like you just mentioned, if we continue to stay at home um, or when the states open up, what, what are the things people can do? So first and foremost, I think meditation is overlooked. I think it's a very excellent tool for patients to just clear their mind, um, to calm their nerves. It helps everything from being able to sleep, being able to focus. And meditation is really easy. And people think, you know, people sometimes are intimidated. It can be anywhere from five minutes to 15 minutes. So I think meditation is really, really helpful. There's lots of apps um, that patients can use, the ones that I like. And again, I don't get anything from this, but the ones that I like are Headspace and Calm. The apps that I've recommended to my patients, there's also some playlists for free on certain platforms like YouTube and Spotify. So I think if patients try meditation and try to include that in their daily activities, like you wake up in the morning, you brush your teeth, you take your meds, meditate for five minutes, it really helps overall calming their nerves, helps with things like sleep. So meditation is really overlooked. It's you know something very easy, very cheap or sometimes just free that patients can do daily. Another important thing is to keep up with activity. So exercise, whether it's home-based, there are cardiac rehab centers that are doing virtual cardiac rehab, but also there's lots of free apps out there that patients can use. Um, YouTube, you can Google home exercises. And if you're comfortable going out, I would highly recommend that. Getting a little bit of sunshine, making sure you're in an open space where you're not too close to many other people. And of course, wearing a mask when you go out, especially during the pandemic. So regular exercise, mindfulness exercises through meditation, and then most importantly, finding a safe way to connect with other people. Because we know that human connections are really important in our overall well-being. And the pandemic really taught us that. That's something we most of us took for granted. And whether you're using Skype or FaceTime, or, you know, we've seen some of these drive-by birthday parties and graduations. So whatever you can do safely to still connect with people is really important in overall health. So exercising your mind, exercising your body, continuing to take your medications and connecting with your physicians. And then lastly is this human connection aspect that helps in everyone's overall well-being and finding creative ways to do it, um, even though we're so restricted right now. Yeah, that's such a good point. And you talked about caregivers back in the beginning when we first started talking. And I don't want to forget about the important role that they play. Can you talk about that a little bit and what challenges that caregivers may face in all of this. I mean, human connection is so important and now is the time where it's harder to, to find that. So what are caregivers facing in this? 
So caregivers, I have to say a huge thank you because there is no way that we as healthcare team members can take care of our patients without you. They are an essential part of the treatment plan. And again, they are often overlooked, but I would say for caregivers is that you always have to remember that you have to have your outlets, your hobbies, and your life outside of the patient that you're taking care of or the loved one that you're taking care of because we need you to be well. Your loved one that you're caring for needs you to be well. And you have to find ways to disconnect and activities outside of them. And I know they may or may not need you 24-7 to be there, but I also have to say find the things that you like to do. Find a hobby that you like to do. Find your you know, the people that you can connect with that are outside of your loved one that you are caring for without feeling that guilt. Because a lot of times they say they feel guilty if they have, if they get an opportunity um, to go out or do something outside of our patient that they're helping us care for. But it's always important to remember the me time, the time that you need to disconnect, the time that you need as an outlet, because your mental health and your emotional well-being is just as important to your ability to take care of yourself and definitely your ability to take care of someone else. So I always tell them to think of things that they love to do and they may have, you know, stopped doing once they started carrying that role as the caregiver and incorporate that back into your life, whether it's 30 minutes a day, whether it's an hour a day to say, hey, this is my time to work on my crossword puzzles, or this is my time to knit, or this is my time to go out for a walk by myself. So things like that, that are important to you and important to your overall well-being. Really, I'm telling you as a physician, really important for you to also take care of yourself because you're doing something so noble and so great, and we couldn't be more grateful for you for doing it. But I really think you have to take care of yourself before you can take care of others. Why is emotional wellness so important? Because there's a connection, the mind, body, and spirit. And as I had alluded to before, if the mind is not doing well, then it becomes difficult to take care of the body. Everything is interconnected. And for somebody to be emotionally well, you know, if again, they're depressed and they're not able to do something as simple as waking up at getting up out of bed um, becomes a challenge for them, then asking them to do anything else, like take several medications that maybe two or three times a day, dose, um, coming to appointments or showing up for virtual appointments, all those may be challenging. So overall, well-being starts with making sure that your mind is in a good place, that you're emotionally well, and everything else seems less daunting when you're in a good place. And you know, it's not always roses and rainbows, and everyone's going to have difficult times, especially patients that have been given a diagnosis of heart failure that's a chronic disease, and they may have other comorbidities. But understanding that these are the things that I'm doing to take care of my emotional well-being. I'm meditating. I'm speaking to a therapist. I think also speaking to a therapist is an underrated activity. I personally think everybody needs a therapist, whether you need them once a week, once a month, uh, every other month, or a few times a year. Taking care of that is first and foremost an essential thing before taking care of the rest of you. 
Love that. And I'm really curious as well of what are some of the things that cardiologists and and care team members are doing to keep themselves also emotionally well in, I mean, just any time. Also, I'm thinking COVID-19, but just any time. Yeah, it's a it's a good question. And I think physicians were not really good at taking care of ourselves. I like to blog a lot about physician well-being, but I don't think we do a great job of it. And, you know, we know that by numbers of physician suicides that we're not really good at that. But with the COVID pandemic, lots of institutions have made available tools that patients can use or sorry, physicians can use for emotional well-being exercises, including uh, meditation apps. Some institutions have had small group activities, things like poetry and writing. So for physicians and other healthcare team members, I would say the same thing. Find something that you like to do that helps you disconnect from medicine. And, you know, we can be the best um, physicians only when we ourselves are well. I thought I love meditation. That's an easy way for somebody to, for an easy thing for somebody to incorporate in their day-to-day activities, exercise. Now it's more difficult with gyms being closed down, but there's other things that we can do to stay active. But for physicians, particularly, I would say something that completely helps you disconnect from medicine, especially with heart failure and transplant cardiologists. We take care of some Sometimes some very, very sick patients that do need transplants, that do need left ventricular assist devices, or, you know, they're reaching uh, very end stages, and we have to talk about things like hospice. So it is a large emotional toll on us, and we do have to find those little things that help us escape from medicine sometimes. You gave us some some apps to help with meditation. You talked about free pl- playlists and, and talked about just a lot of resources. Are there any other resources you would recommend for patients and caregivers and even, again, physicians and, and part members of the care team um, to help them take care of emotional health? So the Heart Failure Society of America actually is a very good resource for this. We recently had done a presentation on emotional wellness in caregivers with the Heart Failure Society of America. Um, So there's lots of great resources on Heart Failure Society of America's website and lots of other national organizations like the American College of Cardiology as well have useful resources for patients and also for um, physicians. The social media space is also great to find resources, including um, Twitter, especially physicians that do blog and tweet about wellness. But I would start with resources from the Heart Failure Society of America and then check out apps. Lots of the apps for meditation have a free week subscription to see if that's something that you know you like you like the sound of the person speaking in the meditation so lots of things to try before committing to any one thing but i would say the first step is to just jump don't be scared to try try one thing if it doesn't work out try something else but the most important thing is to get started I love that. I think that after after this podcast wraps up, after everyone's done listening to it, it's probably a good idea to go and try to meditate. <laughs> Maybe take five, <laughs> five to 10 minutes to try it out. 
<laughs> I love it. It is life changing. When I started meditating on a regular basis, I started sleeping so well and I was kicking myself in the butt. Like, why didn't I try doing this or start doing this sooner? We'll definitely be sure to include all of those resources in our show notes. Dr. Abraham, thank you so much for being here today. It was really great to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. This was very nice. I'm honored to be able to reach as many patients and caregivers as I can and just always remember that mind-body-spirit connection and that there is help out there and don't struggle on your own. Love it. And everybody, thank you for listening and joining us today. You heard it here. You should check out some of these resources. It's really important to take care of your emotional wellness and um, just keep talking to members of your care team. And to find more resources related to heart failure, visit the Heart Failure Society of America's website at hfsa.org and follow us on Twitter and Facebook to see valuable heart failure awareness resources. Thank you all and have a great day.